0: The Holy Gospel, according to Matthew, the third chapter. Glory to the Lord. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near." This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, "The voice of one crying out in the wilderness: Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight." Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stories to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Just one note, I uh, realize I failed to mention in my welcome. If you are interested in supporting those Christmas ministries and you happen to be here this morning, you can see Deb or Pastor Valerie at the east side of the Narthex. If you're online, uh, you can uh, register for all those things and sign up online for them. Um, okay, so yesterday, I had the privilege of going to an exhibit at the Minneapolis Institute of Arts. I guess it's called MIA these days. It was an exhibit in partnership with a very famous gallery in Florence, Italy, called the Uffizi. Um, it's, the exhibit's called Botticelli and uh, Renaissance Florence, I think. And by any chance, I asked this last hour. I I almost hesitate to ask, but has anyone been to that exhibit here? Oh good, a handful of you, excellent. Um, So again, it is an exhibit of a lot of pieces of art from the Uffizi Gallery, most but not all of them by a a sort of early Renaissance artist named Botticelli. I will say, uh, interestingly, this is the only place this exhibit is going to be shown, only in Minneapolis. It runs through January, so if that's the kind of thing that interests you, I would encourage you to check it out. It got me thinking, though, about a a few things, and I will bring this back, obviously, to the readings for today. But um, among other things, it got me thinking about a trip that my wife Amy uh, and two of our sons, not Sam, who's here and still is angry about it. Sorry, Sam, Uh, (laughs) were able to go on. Our oldest son, Luke, at the time, this is pre-COVID, was doing some study abroad in Florence, and so Amy and I and our youngest son Andrew went to visit him, where we did uh, visit, among other things, the Uffizi Gallery in in Florence. Has anyone been to the Uffizi, by the way? Oh, so a whole lot of you have been there. Excellent, I'll lift up just a couple of of things uh, from that trip. One, by a sort of accident or a coincidence, uh, Pastor Cheryl Matheson and her husband, Mark, happened to be in Florence at the same time we were in Florence, so we were able to have a lovely dinner with them. It was about 1,000 degrees, and uh, it was seriously, it was the hottest uh, summer, I think, on record in Florence, and air conditioning there is not what it is in the States. The other, uh, one of the memories we have, actually, this may have happened after we had been to the Uffizi. Uh, If you've been to those kind of museums, you know there are lots of pieces of art uh, with the Madonna and child. So our youngest son, son Andrew, who was with us uh, after seeing about the 1,000th of them said, if I see another Madonna and child, I'm going to scream. Uh, or words to that effect. He did not go with us to the exhibit yesterday. Uh, anyway, so. Again, I'm sort of thinking about um, perspective and time, and I'll kind of focus my reflections as it relates to art, not on the pieces I saw in yesterday's exhibit, but on on probably what is the most famous sculpture in the world. It happens to be in Florence. Do you know what I'm talking about? David, Michelangelo's David, that's right. So David was sculpted by Michelangelo in Florence, uh, 1501 to 1504. It took him three years. He was in his early 20s. It was commissioned by the people of Florence to go sort of uh, around the rim of the Duomo, the very famous cathedral in Florence. Uh, as soon as it was finished, the good people of Florence realized, oh my gosh, we have a masterpiece on our hands here. There is no way we're putting this up you know, high on the Duomo roof. And they ended, those of you who have been to Florence will know exactly where it is. There's still a replica that stands there today. They put it in the main city square, right outside the entrance to the city hall. Here's the amazing thing that, again, the, the statue was completed in 1504. It stayed there outside, open to the elements, to rain and wind and vandalism for almost 400 years. It was not moved into um, a museum, it's not the Uffizi, it's the place called the Academia until 1873 when the people of Florence thought, huh, this seems to be a reasonably important piece of art. Maybe we should protect it. And so they, they, the Academia that had been open for about 100 years, they built a special room for it. So all of that, you know, the, the visit yesterday and remembering the visit to Florence All of the art from, you know, 500 years ago got me thinking about how we see art like that. And rightly and appropriately we think, Wow, it is so old. And it has been preserved so well. And it is so beautiful. All of which is absolutely true. But then I started reflecting on this... And it struck me, do we recognize when we come together in worship as we are now, that we are reading texts filled with goodness and truth and beauty that are far, far older than anything I saw yesterday? Take the Gospel of John for today. And by the way, the second Sunday of Advent is always about John the Baptist, this is from Matthew chapter three, and in an interesting coincidence, John the Baptist happens to be the patron saint of the city of Florence, so if you go there, you'll see lots of art about John the Baptist at the uh, um, uh, thing yesterday. There was a lot of art of of him as well. So this is the the gospel reading we heard. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He said those words 2,000 years ago. And we are still hearing them today. But the next verse, listen to this. This, this is John the Baptist still speaking. This is the one, I am the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John is speaking these words 2,000 years ago. We are hearing them today. And he is quoting words from Isaiah that... Came six or seven hundred years before that. Those words are not from the passage that Kainalu, Kainalu read so beautifully today, which deserve its own sermon, by the way, but instead they're from another place in Isaiah chapter forty. Famous words. Um, Chapter 40, uh, where in verse 3, uh, Isaiah writes, A voice cries out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Again, here we are hearing those words again, written 26, 2,700 years ago. And even if you've not, you're not hearing them in church, I would suggest almost everyone in the Western world knows these words really well. Has anyone heard of Handel's Messiah? Hands up, people. I thought so. Um, Interestingly, the Messiah quotes Isaiah more than any other book in the Bible. And the very first words sung in Handel's Messiah come just two verses before that verse that uh, John the Baptist quotes from Isaiah. The very first words uh, sung are by a tenor uh, who says, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. And then he goes on. Uh, to to sing verse 2 and then verse 3. Again, exactly the words that John the Baptist quotes from Isaiah. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. When you hear the Messiah this year, remember John the Baptist quoting these words, which again go back so long in history. So I have two... Simple things I want to lift up about this fact that we gather together, and I'm not sure we, we fully appreciate what a miracle it is, truly, that we're able to come around these words filled with goodness, truth, and beauty, every much as David's uh, the sculpture of David or Botticelli's artwork. So a couple of thoughts. First, um, I'm going to use the word durable. These words are durable. They are lasting. And I am not making an argument for that. I am stating a fact. Isaiah's words have lasted 2600 years and people are still hearing them today. And I say this a little bit in, in, uh, as a gentle response to people who often will say to me, people know what I do, it turns out, for a living. And I will hear some people say, they're not being mean. They're not being snotty. They're just, they are speaking as if they are speaking the truth. Something like, well, Tim, you know, the Bible's cute and everything. But we live in 2022. We're a little smarter than that today. We've come to a different place. We don't need this anymore. Folks, I am not a betting person. But if I were... And you asked me to put $100 down on what will people be talking about 500 or 1,000 or 2,600 years from now? I promise you it's going to be Isaiah and John the Baptist and, yes, Jesus. It is not going to be all of the things that we think are so hugely significant and important in our life today. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. So that's the first point. These words are durable. They are lasting, they are eternal, and they are durable, in second point, and eternal and lasting, not because people have been saying, Christians have been saying for 2,000 years, hey, these are really important. We should hide them away, we should protect them. We should put them in a museum somewhere, in temperature lighting control, behind a curtain, so they'll be safe. No. They're durable and lasting and eternal because people like you, since they were written, have been taking these words and making them come to life. And so today, our invitation is to follow the example of John the Baptist, who, yes, indeed said, it's not about me. I am pointing the way to someone far more important than I am. Namely, Jesus. And so today, on this second Sunday of Advent, we are invited, first of all, to receive Jesus, to make a way in our hearts for Jesus. I don't know if you paid attention. The first hymn we sang this morning on Jordan's bank, The Baptist Cry, is a perfect summary of this point. I would encourage you to use this as a prayer this week. Then cleanse be every life from sin. Make straight the way for God within. And let us all, our hearts prepare for Christ to come and enter there. So that's the first thing. We're called to make a path for Jesus in our own hearts, in our own lives. But here's the second part. It's not for our sake, right? But rather it's to receive Jesus into our hearts so that with God's help, we can be sent back out into the world where we can make a path in the desert and the wilderness of our time and share God's love To a world in need. So let's pray for that right now. Join me in a word of prayer. Loving God, we thank you for drawing us together again on this second Sunday of Advent to hear the story of John the Baptist. We do pray that you will allow us to make space once again in our hearts to receive you so that we can go out as your ambassadors into the world and share your love. And all this we
0: pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.